0: There we go. Uh, so we've been looking at the life of Peter. And up until this point, Peter has been on God's mission all throughout the book of Acts uh, to rescue broken people, right? To, res- to play a part in restoration. Uh, and it's a mission, we look at him on it, but it's a mission actually Christians are called to be part of. Christians are called to participate in. And it's, and it's important to remember what Jesus said. I think if you're kind of new to Christianity... Sometimes, if you're not new to Christianity, a reminder of like, well, what's the mission of God? Like, what's God's mission? What's he called us to do? Uh, and so there's a couple places I'm just going to read, and I think they're really important to understanding Acts chapter 10, which is where we're going to be tonight. And so the first one, some of you have heard this a million times, it's Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said to them, the disciples, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I think this is like the best part of it, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then if you go on over to Acts chapter one, before like Jesus does this ascending thing, we don't really know what that looks like, but he kind of floats up to heaven or whatever. I don't even know if it's floating. Um, but in Acts chapter 1, he says this to the disciples. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and here's the kicker, and you will be my witnesses. What does that mean? My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so this week, uh, we're going to look at another barrier to this mission. Another barrier to God's mission in Acts chapter 10. And so, if you're in Acts chapter 10 or not, there's a sheet with the passage. They're all over the place. Um, It's got the passage on there. We're just going to read the first section, starting in verse 23. Uh, So, Acts chapter 10, verse 23. We're kind of starting in the middle of verse 23, actually. Uh, The next day he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why, why you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. And so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Uh, Let's pray one more time just for the Lord to help us hear. Uh, God, you're so good. Thank you for your word. You give it to us because you love us, and we ask now that you would help us understand it. That you would, by your Spirit, help us apply it to our lives, uh, and that most of all we would see Jesus. And we pray in His name, Amen. Uh, I sixty five. Maybe some of you have traveled I sixty five before. It's interstate. Uh, It's the it's throughout the center of Alabama. Okay, it's the longest segment of interstate in the state of Alabama, and at one point it stretches three hundred and sixty seven miles. Okay, and so. Growing up in the sweet state of Alabama, that's where I'm from, uh, I I put in plenty of time on Interstate 65, okay, a lot of time. Uh, If you want to get to Birmingham, you're going to end up there. If you want to go to Montgomery, you're going to end up on I-65. And if you, maybe some of you have, if you've ever traveled Interstate 65, either on your way to Montgomery, but you really, you want to be coming north on 65 from Montgomery, you have seen a really, really famous sign. It's a famous sign just north of a place called Prattville, Alabama. And so you're driving up the interstate and located next to this, like, just this sweet little charming water wheel. Okay, so imagine, like, a wooden water wheel. you know what I'm talking about? It's spinning. There's some water flowing down. You're like, oh. (laughs) And there's, like, always pretty flowers and stuff along the ride. And then you notice this sign that is enormous. And, and and you begin to think, is that what I think it is? No, that, yes, it is. It is this huge red devil holding, which I don't even understand this, not in a pitchfork, but like this farm tool that looks like some sort of sling, like you would use the, it's just this evil looking weapon. Uh, and so he's holding, and he like is on the move, like it looks like he's walking and swinging at the same time. Anyway... Um, next to the red devil are these words. Go to church or the devil will get you. <laughs> Welcome to South Alabama. Um, now, here's the deal. When I say famous, like y'all are kind of like, ha ha, it's fun. No, no, no. When I say famous, I mean there are YouTube videos about the sign. The sign has its own merchandise. Like you could go buy a t-shirt. I'm not making this up. Uh, The sign has its own Facebook page. That's when you know you've arrived. Uh, And so, like, here's, like, you know, Alabama, like, we know how to put the fun and fundamentalism. Um, Like, it's funny to laugh at the sign. I mean, it's really kind of goofy. It's not a theologically correct sign, just FYI. Um, But here's the point. Here's the point. I think this all the time when I see that sign is the sign is like a good reminder that Christians, uh, and this this, this is not a slam on you, let's just be real for a second. Uh, Christians are often a barrier to God's mission. Like we just are. Um, And so it's easy to think barriers, right? It's easy to think barriers to God's mission are those things out there. Like, that government, that group, that denomination, that weird dude in my class, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're out there, um, but barriers to God's mission uh, can also be in here. Like, it's not just out there, but actually a barrier to God's mission can be in, like, I can be a barrier to God's mission. Like, Christians can be barriers to God's mission to rescue broken people to restore creation's glory, to to rule with compassion and justice, all that good stuff. Like, we can be barriers to that. And so, here's what I want to do. I want us to ask a couple questions as we look at this passage. Um, And the first one is, what is the barrier to God's mission in this passage? And so, Peter's been following Jesus, right? I mean, they were close. He's like the central figure to the leadership of the early church, to the beginning of the church. I mean, he's the, he is the deal. Uh, but what's, what I love about Acts 10, a lot of things, but one is it reveals that Peter still has a lot of room to grow, just like me, um, just like us. Uh, he's still got a lot of room to grow. And even though he loves Jesus, and he really does, like he's going to ultimately give up his life for Jesus, he, th- there's still something about Jesus' saving work that he doesn't understand. Like, there are still implications to what Jesus did that Peter hasn't quite fully understood yet. And so, let's kind of get this whole chapter. By the way, this is like the longest chapter in the book of Acts. That's why I didn't read it all to you, because you would be like, dude, I'm never going back there. It's weird. Um, and so, early in this chapter, this guy named Cornelius, right? He was guided by God to meet Peter. He was guided through an angel. And Peter, 36 miles away, is like up on somebody's rooftop praying, you know, doing his quiet time or whatever, a little devotional time. He's up on the rooftop praying and he has a vision. Like God gives him this vision. Uh, And it's a really weird vision. But the whole point of his vision is to prepare him to meet Cornelius. And so. I think a good question for us to just think about is why did, why did Peter have to be prepared to meet Cornelius? It's kind of weird. Uh, like, why, what, what's the deal with Cornelius? That Peter had to be prepared through a vision, you know? Um, so here's the deal. Cornelius kind of set the scene. Cornelius was a Roman officer, okay? He was a centurion, Led a hundred men. He was actually part of a, like a specialized cohort. I want to think he's like Jason Bourne, but he's not. But I want to think that. Um, and so Cornelius was the enemy, right, to the Jewish people. That's how they viewed each other. Um, I mean, not only was he just an enemy, but for Peter, get, let's get real personal. Like he represents the very people that killed his best friend, that murdered his best friend, brutally. Killed Jesus. Like that's, when he sees Cornelius, that's what, he, that's what Cornelius represents. And not only was he a Roman, he was uh, what, what the Bible calls a Gentile, which basically just means he wasn't a Jew. Like he wasn't Jewish. Um, but let's, let's take it a step further. What that really means for Peter is that he was unclean. Like he was spiritually unclean. And then, and you see this in verse 23, the story of their meeting each other, Kind of picks up, um, and not only did they like meet face to face, but Peter finds himself in Cornelius's house. Okay, so you're not just with an unclean person; you're in their home, which means everything is spiritually unclean. Like you're freaking out if you're Peter or any sort of Jew. Uh, no Jewish person at this point in history would have shared a meal with Cornelius outside in the street, much less actually go inside Cornelius' home. And so here's Peter in a room with all of the people and all of the things he has spent his lifetime avoiding. Right? And you see the gravity of the situation kind of really just clearly stated in verse 28. When Peter said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. Like, y'all catch that? Like this is a big deal. Something something in major is happening in Acts chapter ten, and I try to think of like I was trying to think of like a modern day analogy just to kind of help you see this scene, and and this is what popped in my mind. Um, and this isn't a knock on Logan Day, but hopefully it'll help, it, help you guys think about this. Logan Day, he's in the back. He's awesome. Uh, country boy from Catawba. Here's the deal. Logan Day, this would be like Logan Day. Logan Day is going to be a pastor one day, I think, probably. That's where we're headed. And so let's, let's say Logan Day is going to graduate from Western Carolina University. And um, he's going to move to Asheville. And you already know this is, this is going wrong for him. Asheville is great. That's just not his cup of tea. He's going to move to Asheville. He's going to pastor vegan hipsters who, I'm not even done, who hate guns. You see what I'm saying? Like, it is like this, this is so bizarre. Like nothing about that. Logan, like nothing about this. Like these paths would have never crossed. Not that he's got a problem with any of those things. That's just not his, that's just not what he's dreaming about. Right? And so I just—I I think maybe that helps you. Like, the, this is a weird scene. Like, this is just not something that happened in the first century. And so, another important question, though, I think, now that we kind of see the picture, we kind of get the gravity of this situation, is why was it so important for these two guys to meet? Like, it obviously is a big deal. It's such a big deal that this story is. This is the longest narrative in the in the Acts. It is retold three times. So it obviously is one of the most important things in the whole book of Acts. Why was it so important for these two guys to meet? I mean, God sends one of them an angel and makes sure the other one, while he's praying, has a vision to prepare him to meet this Cornelius guy. And so, let's just think about Okay, so let's just answer that question. Why was it so important for these guys to meet? One thing, it's real simple. Cornelius did not know Jesus. Cornelius didn't know anything about Jesus. You see that in verse thirty-three. I mean, you literally see. I mean, he goes now. Therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Like we want to hear about Jesus, um, and up until this point, Peter, he did not understand completely how Jesus is for the whole world. Um, like he's for everyone without any sort of distinction. There are no distinctions. And like Peter, he, he is learning this. Like it's here that Peter is realizing for the first time that, that God's mission is, for, is actually for the people I avoid. Uh, and that he himself can be a barrier to God's mission. Like Peter is getting it. And so can we. Like we can too. Uh, the, the people we avoid is often the ones the mission is for. Um, and not only that, we can be a barrier to that mission. And so let's just think about that. Uh, like we apply, ca- I do this, and so I'm not like shaming you. I'm, I'm, part, of the, I'm part of the club. Um, like we apply categories to people all the time. We do it. It's like instinct. It's like a superpower. Um, and those categories become barriers, it's like this, and we don't even mean to do this, but it becomes an us against them, us and them. Very distinct, very clear line. Black, white. It's a real clear one. Racism is still kicking, guys, in the South. Uh, I still have racists around my hometown. Like, it's unbelievable, some of the things I hear. Um, Homeschool, public school. Two completely different categories. That's like, I mean, that's pretty, that's, pretty, that's pretty serious. I mean, we categorize people by the way they walk. The way they talk, especially Americans, we hear another language. We're just like, All right, what is that? You know, it's amazing. Uh, we just, you know, it's unbelievable. Uh, small town or large city? You know, like some people are from a large city and we categorize them. If they're Greek, like if they're in a fraternity or a sorority, or, you know, they're in the honors college, or they're, they're academic. They're totally academic, could never hang out with them. You know, like, we just categorize people, and here's what we do, and we don't even know we're doing this. Like, we're pronouncing people clean and unclean. Same kind of thing that Peter's doing. Like, we are becoming, in that moment, the barrier to God's mission. Um, I mean, listen to this. So, in verse 28, he says, you, Peter goes, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But listen to the rest of the verse. He goes, But God has shown me, Peter, that I should not call any person common or unclean. Like, it was so important for these two guys to meet because Peter and the church at that time needed to understand that there are no categories in God's kingdom. Like, God's kingdom is for all. And there are no distinction. Uh, and, and it's also to like, help us today. Like We read chapters like this and it reminds us, oh my gosh, I do that. And, and it's to help us become who God intends us to be. And those are, those are people who love others without distinctions, without categories. Um, and so let's ask the next question. Okay, so we, we get the barrier to God's mission is often us, like myself. What is the key to God's mission. And that's kind of the rest of the passage that you have before you. Starting in verse 34, I'm just going to read to 43. So they go, hey man, Peter, we want to hear what you got to say. And so Peter, starting in verse 34, opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Like they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed to appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name that's really awesome uh, and so for for Peter to do what he just did like to go inside this home and to and to kind of Proclaim the gospel, like he had to die to all sorts of things for him to, to move towards these people. I mean, he had to die to self-righteousness, to cultural names, not cultural names, probably that too, cultural norms of the day. Uh, he, he learned a new language. I mean, we don't know that for sure, but most scholars think at this moment, Peter would have been a native Hebrew speaker, and you know what? He was speaking something else so he could communicate with them because he loved them. He loved people. Like he's on a mission, right? Um, He rearranged his schedule. Bro was just having a quiet time. Like I'm good if I get a few of those in a week and then the one I get in, it gets interrupted. That would be a bummer, right? And so he had to rearrange his schedule, travel 36 miles to go hang out with a bunch of people he spent his whole life avoiding. Like he had to die to himself. He really did. Uh, But Peter was able to do it Because the gospel had changed him. Like the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that he lived face-to-face with for a long time. The the gospel, here's just like a basic definition. Because we throw that word out so much in Christianity, like we expect everybody knows what it means. Sorry. Um, The gospel, good news that God has fulfilled his promise to send a Savior to rescue broken people. That's just kind of it in a nutshell. It's good news about what Jesus has done. And so the gospel is the key to God's mission. It's actually what that whole passage is about. And so um, let's let's think about what Peter just did because in this gospel presentation, there is some stuff there that's really rich and there's a ton of implications for us. We can't talk about them all. I wish we could. Uh, But here's, here's a few. One, the gospel is to be communicated. I mean, just look at verse 34. It starts out, So Peter opened his mouth and said something, like used words and spoke something, right? Um, I mean, the key to God's mission is Christians opening their mouth and telling people about Jesus. Right? Right? I mean, yes, building relationships is important, guys. Being authentic is important. Listening to people is crucial. Uh, welcoming people that are not like you into your friend group is really, really important. Um, inviting them to wing night, ultimate frisbee, whatever, walking dead, whatever it is you do. Uh, inviting them is great. But at the end of the day, God's mission involves Christians saying something. The gospel is to be communicated. Uh, And so, and when we communicate the gospel, if you go back and you just kind of really think about the way Peter is doing it, like, it's filled with two things. It's filled with truth and grace. Like, Peter didn't shy away from telling people the truth, but he also didn't leave out grace. In fact, that's how it ends. What's the last thing he says? Forgiveness of sins through his name. He's, he ends with forget. I mean, he ends with grace. Okay, so the gospel is to be communicated. The gospel also has content. Um, you see this in all over the place. Verse 43 is a really good summary of gospel content. Um, he says, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Like Peter... Peter didn't say, Jesus is your bro and let's hang out. Okay, that's not what what Peter said. Um, Peter said, Jesus is Lord of all and believe in him for the forgiveness of sins. Like there was a very significant content to his gospel presentation. Even though Peter spoke to like various groups, he was speaking to all over the people. Most people think Peter... Ended his, I mean, his days ended in Rome. And so the dude was like traveling all over the world, speaking to various groups, various places. What's interesting, though, if you look throughout the book of Acts, every time he speaks, preaches, speeches, whatever, um, the content remains consistent. His God, I mean, like he might deliver it in a certain way for a particular context, but the stuff he says is very consistent. And I'll just break it down for you real quick. He says, one, God has fulfilled his plan." That's what he tells everybody. Um, And then he kind of like gives this brief overview of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Every time. And then he does this thing where he kind of confirms and helps people understand how the Old Testament points to Jesus. How the Old Testament is actually all about Jesus and what Jesus did. And then finally what he does is he calls people to repent and trust in Jesus. That was it. That, that message remained uh, consistent. Um, and so, let's kind of pull this thing together. So usually when we read passages like this, especially Christians, one overwhelming response, because all of you, I can see it on some of your faces already, uh, one overwhelming response is, the, maybe the number one overwhelming response, you read a passage about God's mission and people sharing the gospel, is guilt. Is guilt. Like half of this room probably feels extremely guilty. Half the Christians in this room feel extremely guilty right now. Um, like we feel, I feel lame. Like super lame. Uh, because I know I can be a barrier to God's mission. And not only that, but I know I don't share my faith. Often as I would like. Um, I mean, we, we struggle with passages like this. We struggle with God's mission For all sorts of reasons, and I get it. Like I get it. There is nothing in this room you could tell me that I don't understand that I probably haven't experienced, that I haven't heard. When it comes to thinking about God's mission, Um, and so I want to try to help you. Uh, My dad just turned sixty-eight, and uh, and and the longer I live, like the more I'm I'm loving him and appreciating him. It's really interesting. When I was in college, in no way. When I was in high school, really no way. but the older I get, the more I'm learning to love and appreciate him. And he became a Christian in his 50s. Uh, and, and I love to hear him talk about that experience. Because it's, it's just funny. Because he really believes he became a Christian while riding the tractor. I'm not kidding. And I really think it's true. Um, I mean, like, the, the Lord changed my dad's heart while he was baling hay. I mean, no one was around. There was no tele-evangelist on the screen on his John Deere. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's when it happened. Um, and I tell you this story, I think, because it highlights something Christians forget when it comes to God's mission. Uh, we, we think our weakness, we think our sin... We think our failure will somehow get in the way or has already gotten in the way. That we, we won't know the answer to some question, that we are going to fail. You know, but my dad's story in this passage reminds us of something really amazing. The gospel is the key to God's mission to rescue people, but the Holy Spirit unlocks the heart. Not you. Right? I mean, what's amazing, we didn't read this, we stopped at verse 43. If you keep going, there's verse 44, and it says this. Peter's sermon gets interrupted. He never even finished it. Like, he didn't get to his cool little funky illustration at the end or nothing. Dude's preaching, and then what what happens? While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And like, he had this whole household. Converted. And then they all get baptized. Um, like the Holy Spirit fell on them. Like there is no barrier inside of us, there is no barrier outside of us that is too big for the Holy Spirit like you, that can stop the Holy Spirit. Because, I mean, like, because Jesus is Lord of all, the gospel is for all. Um, and there is someone in your class. I know I just I would bet on it, like there is someone in your class longing to know the truth and grace of jesus they want they want to know um, and maybe God's mission has brought you here to w c u to that class to share the truth and grace of Jesus with them, like you like his mission. Maybe brought you here for that reason. Um, For others here, like that, you know, I know there's typically a room like this. There's somebody here that wouldn't consider themselves a Christian. I'm glad you're here, I really am. Um, Maybe God's mission that we've been talking about tonight brought you to WCU to hear the gospel about Jesus so that you might believe in him and have eternal life. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, for your grace and mercy. Thank you that you are actually the great evangelist. You are actually the great missionary. You have come and rescued me and rescued us. And now we have the privilege, the opportunity to participate in your mission right here in Cullowee. Lord, help us think about that. Help us own that. Help us be faithful to communicating the gospel to a campus that desperately needs it. And we pray in your name. Amen.